This is the On to Something podcast. Thanks for having us in your weekly lineup. This week kicks off season two, which is a couple of interviews that will be happening with me. This week's interview, though, I can confidently say is with one of my favorite people because it's with Carolina Witcher, the person who I get to do life with every single day in my existence. Uh, There's no way around it. She is incredible. I still have moments where I step back when we're out at events or with groups of people uh, and wonder how God formed a person of character and personality and just her posture towards life. One of our friends tells a story of her that uh, I think accurately sums her up. We were visiting someone's house one day and uh, they had one of those walls in the hallway that had like 20 to 25 pictures going on and most of us just kind of blew past the wall with all the pictures but carolina as she walked she glanced and viewed every single picture almost like she was in an art gallery and after she reviewed all 20 something of them she just turned around and with a very big deep breath she just goes life that basically sums up carolina in a nutshell She will make you appreciate life and also be comfortable with it at the same time. What I loved about our conversation that you're about to hear today, though, uh, is that she puts everyone in a very comfortable posture as she talks about some of the uh, uncomfortable moments that she's had in life so far. In this episode, she's going to talk about that posture in such a way that you see it in her conversation about community about marriage, um, about Disney Plus, losing her job a while back, and also speaking about some of the things that she has learned in the previous years. So if any of those topics interest you, then you will find today's episode interesting. Let's go ahead and listen in. So here's what we want to do in this episode. So I kind of want to talk about your life and maybe our lives together a little bit with that. I feel like that's appropriate with the whole being married thing. I guess. Um, Because we've just, we've kind of been in this place of walking through the natural transition that not only you just make after post-college, but walking that together. Maybe just a little bit of a roadmap of like our past couple years. So we got married right after undergrad, (laughs) typical. Uh, undergrad for you grad school for me yeah my bad I forgot you're five years older and when we did I'm just I'm just playing at six we got married uh we immediately moved into a wonderful house and by a house I mean we didn't we moved into a residential life dorm right college boys just everywhere yeah it was a very it was a very brutal season of life Carolina saw things that she could never unsee (laughs) (laughs) first year of marriage so oh okay all right it's gonna be like that I mean great thing Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Way to walk that one back. That's awkward. But okay. So we got married. We went through both of us doing school for a season. As far as your roadmap has gone, it's been kind of a kind of a whirlwind of three years. You know, three and a half moving to four. Um, You know, within that, you've got a a job job loss that happened in the middle of it. We're coming up on close to one year of your dad passing as well. We're at. A point where you've made a job change that's been very different in a different field. And I've very much been in a deeper place with my job, but it's kind of taken on pieces that's different than what I visualized. And those three years have all been in Abilene, which was not our original. It's also different <laughs> than we ever visualized. Uh, yeah. Did you want to stay in Abilene? No, of course not, not whatsoever. Yeah. Of course not. Well, the, yeah. You I, told me every day. <laughs> It was brutal, y'all. Like we, yeah, it was rough for a while. Definitely have figured out better rhythms now, but Mm -hmm. yeah, very different. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things we felt was just the, like, in some ways we didn't get to experience all of the phase change at once. Cause but we like, watched everybody else experience yes, it. Yes. And then yeah. we had to like keep restarting friendships and people just didn't understand that yeah. very much. And we watched yeah. as everyone like went off to these, you know, in our minds, bigger and greater things that were happening all over the globe. And we just stayed and we yeah. just stayed. Yeah. Um, so, so figuring out how to um, how to find community that also stayed in Abilene was really mm-hmm. important, um, and how to how to find contentment in that, how to how to be grateful 
for and and my goodness we are blessed beyond belief to to still be here mm-hmm. and we can get into that in a minute but uh, yeah it was it was quite a big transition to not transition oh okay. right, let's see what you did there yeah communications double it up yeah, uh okay so in this podcast uh let's talk about let's talk about you know marriage happened yeah. Um, so we should spend a hot second on that. Let's kind of talk about like the balancing of both of us working full time. What is it? Dinks? Is that what we're called? Yes. Yeah, so double income, no kids. That's right. And Dink. we're yep, Dinks. kids. We're not going to talk about that. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, let's kind of also talk about like what we've learned as far as like being a spouse and also kind of a weird, complicated balance of how my job's kind of unique in a church slash nonprofit kind of way yeah so first part um i think i think it's only appropriate to talk about like community shifting because like i you know i was talking to a friend michael scott a couple months ago and he was like not the michael scott from the office that's very that's very correct that's very correct although he's very much not like him Uh, (laughs) uh but he was like man i had no roadmap when it came to community and uh doing that piece and i I think out of like three years, we've had some pretty big stuff that's knocked us out of the honeymoon phase. Uh, I don't think the community piece knocked us out of the honeymoon phase, but I think it was our first obstacle. You want to you want to just tell that story uh, just a little bit, and then I'll kind of share some back notes of like things to look for with community and shifting. Absolutely, yeah. So we, um, as we said before, we just found ourselves in a place of looking around and realizing that we didn't have friends or community that was in our same stage of life. We, um, Zane is a university minister along with several other hats of the church. And that means that we are in so many great ways surrounded by college students, um, but realized pretty early on that we could not, we could not rely on the individuals that we were ministering to, to also be our main. So with that, we had to take a back, uh, step back and, and just realize that we were lonely <laughs> and, and it was tearing us apart. Um, we, we were trying to figure out this whole marriage thing and not knowing who to talk to. Um, thankfully we were in a place of, uh, of great people, but we, we still need a little bit deeper, a little bit more with our community. So yeah, we found ourselves sitting in our living room, which is where we're recording this podcast right now. Yep. And we we sat on the on the floor. We we kneeled down and prayed to God that He would just open the doors, open our eyes to what community uh, we needed to be a part of, and how we could find a sense of connection and, and belonging that we were longing for. And gosh, what was it? A month later. I mean, a month after we prayed this prayer, desperate on our knees, uh, we joined a group that was just forming for a small group at mm-hmm. our church. Um, and we've been with that group for about three years now. Mm-hmm. It's been a huge blessing and worlds of a game changer. Yeah. Whenever whenever we leave this house, um, the hardest thing will be leaving this living room because it kind of has our first mark of like, like our marriage in a holy space of like we prayed on that. We prayed on that hard ground carpet, um, and now every Monday night, people walk in on that carpet, and we meet for a group of the community that we missed and wished for mm-hmm. so much. And they were there. We just didn't we didn't know that they were there. They were there. So yeah, that that was a huge that was a huge first obstacle of marriage. And a couple notes like with it of like first find uh, find some places that you're unnaturally intersect with people who are like either in your same phase of life or different phases of life. That's mm-hmm. why I'm what's up a huge fan of the church. Cause it's like, you can, uh, you can find that kind of in that space. I think like I, I had, uh, I think it was either Allie Brander or Justin Park said to me like the, no, it was Brendan Beck is the first person. Uh, I talked to him about like church matter. And one of the things he said was, well, absolutely. When I move, that's the, like if I'm going to start a foundation of my community, I want to start with people who have like my like same common mission and interest. Uh, and I thought that was like really insightful of like, I think one of the most natural things couples can do early on is you land somewhere, you go find a church because that can naturally on ramp you there. But yeah. I may be a little partial to that idea. But also leaning into the other generations and, and uh, the blessing that other other people can bring to the table. I, I think what's hard is that those people aren't always readily available. True, true. 
So knowing that ahead of time can be really helpful. Um, but it's it's so important to realize who are those people that we need to invest in and who are those people that can invest in us because it's not it's not always a give and take from both sides. And that is perfectly fine, in fact, the way that it should be. We should always be investing in others and having others invest in us, but knowing the difference is important. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I think one of the things we've also tried, you and I have tried to do intentionally is uh, when you make connections with people, uh, you solidify down like what you appreciate about them. So, you know, you and I have both had conversations of like, when we want to get to a deeper place with people, that usually doesn't naturally happen unless there's, uh, you know, touch points that are there. And then from guy to guy, it's just always weird. But like, I try to do it with uh, like Eric and Michael and some of them of like, I try to tell them like, what I appreciate about them. And it seems like when you tell another human being eye to eye, uh, Hey, I just want to let you know, I really enjoy this about our relationship. There's something that builds there that it's probably the best way I could describe it is like, it's a window and you open up a window and both of you kind of look through it and you're like, Oh, we could jump through that window and get to a deeper place. Um, and as I work out that analogy, it, it's probably problematic because if you're on multiple floors and you jump out the window, anyways, uh, I won't follow it all the way, <laughs> all the way through there. But yeah. I know you've done that with like Kelsey and Emily as well. Of like yeah. you have you have women now that you regularly meet up with, yeah, on Fridays. Absolutely, yeah, and and I think the biggest part with that is so appreciating them for the space and 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 what they bring to the table, what they bring to that friendship and relationship. But my goodness, it had to start with with somebody inviting the other to mm-hmm. be a part of their, their lives. Right. So, so good friends of mine, Emily and Kelsey, for example, um, I just sat back and I was in, this was earlier this year, gone through a really hard, hard season with, with, um, my dad passing away. And I just looked at them and said, I need, I need close girlfriends, not just, not just anybody. Right. I need, I need, one or two people that I can really lean on through this season. And and that has continued on. Um, and I need those people to be you. And they both, they both looked at me and said, I, first of all, thank you for vocalizing that. But second of all, absolutely. We will be there. And and they have been, um, along with several other members of our, of our community. Um, that's been transformative. But I, if I've learned anything about friendship, it's that an, a verbal invitation has to happen. Yeah. And, and then reinforcing it, like you're saying on the back end, that is what really holds, holds that core together. Yeah. Um, and, and what can initiate, I mean, some of the closest friendships that we've had started awkward and weird and it wasn't the perfect yeah. fit to begin yep. with. My goodness, yep. Emily and I have some awkward conversations that still we've reflected do. on in the past. Still Not, do. We don't still do. <laughs> no. But to circle back around and, and see that we we just had to make a decision. We yep. had to make a decision. Are we going to be close friends or are we not? Because yep. we are no longer in college where we are presented by all of these people around us that we get to pick and choose from. Mm. And I think like, you know, to keep in the frame, Mary, I think that was another that was another challenge slash obstacle you and I have both walked through is like friendships happen in seasons. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, I think Facebook has uh, disillusioned us to the idea that like, you know, friendships are lasting and they always stay in the same mode of operation. And you and I have kind of carried some wounds there. I mean, I still, I still look back at some of my college friendships and I wish I would have done some things different. i I really wish, uh, and I couldn't have heard at the time, but I really wish I could have told my friends that, hey, I'm sorry that um, I used ministry as a excuse to uh, step away or not be as connected. Mm-hmm. I know you had friendships that, you know, they just turned and they turned a really hard direction and that was brutal. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe we open it up if people want to hear more on that. We'll just unpack more on the, friendships and I feel like we had spent a whole podcast just on that piece. <laughs> yes. Um alone. Maybe yeah. this is just therapy for you and I. But know that yeah, anyone listening to this, if that's where you're at, you're not alone. 
let me move to another question. I get I get mail pretty regularly uh, on the podcast. That's a joke. I actually don't. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say. But if I did, I'm sure that someone would write in and ask the question. Um, what's the What's the worst thing about being married to Zane? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I. That seems like a fun question. Yeah, sure. Let me dive into that. Not to um, Annie so up downs been, this I, thing, but <laughs> what sounds fun to you? That but. sounds fun. Uh, yeah, I, I have a lot to say uh, about that, actually. So um, okay, <laughs> well played. No, there, there definitely been. Uh, I mean, every marriage has its own frustrations. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But get, you, get to the slice. Yes. Anybody who knows Zane knows that he's incredibly particular. Very particular about a lot of things. It's not hurtful uh, yet. And, and the, the way that the way that he sees things happen is kind of the way that it needs to go. Mm. And that's anywhere from... You can punch harder than this. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to be a pretty pretty big, like, free spirit. Um, You're romantic. relaxed. I'm relaxed. In every, it's one of the reasons I was attracted sense, to you. Every sense of the term. Yep. And Zane is just, like, hardcore disciplined there's no time for relaxation there's no time to do anything but work 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 we're gonna get things that well no i mean maybe not that bad but not that bad not that it's bad. not like a rihanna but, like work 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 it's but not we have to do bad. it a, a certain way and it right it, yeah and i ruin it when i come in and, and try to figure it out my sometimes life. but luckily i help you and we yes. fix it so an example of this an example of this is okay. Um, Here comes the thing. I would like to enjoy Disney Plus okay. in our in our marriage and relationship. I knew this was coming. Um, You're going to exploit but, the yeah, podcast. This is, just this is my this. cry for okay. help. All right. uh, <laughs> well, the podcast is over. We're just going to basically have a spouse <laughs> conversation right here, but go ahead. No, but the way it's so good for me, but it is so challenging that you, you really hone into from finances to uh, the way that we do chores and laundry and keeping the house clean. You're constantly picking up after me and reminding me. That you're picking up after so me. often um, underwear and, and I'm a fairly neat and tidy person it's fine uh, so just just to see just to see the way that you yeah you you challenge me daily in in small things and big things uh, I I tend to lack discipline in some ways I still get things done but not through me telling myself to be disciplined more through uh, other people expecting me to get that done and we can go into a whole conversation about extrinsically motivated and what that looks like for me. But you are so great at helping me hone in and focus in on things, but sometimes I don't want to. And sometimes I don't want to save money for the future house that we might buy someday because instead I want to spend $8 a month to get mm-hmm. Disney Plus and watch whatever I want to whenever I want no, to. No. Right? Be, and be so- real with the people. You want to sit and binge watch Lizzie McGuire. I do. That's what you yeah. Want and, and they're working on recording a new season. I'm very, very stoked. Lizzie or Hillary, if you're listening to this, to say, I'm very it? pumped to be your Lizzie <laughs> again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're really good at, um, at being so disciplined and so focused. Uh, but I, and I'm not. And that's where that is very challenging is sometimes I just want to, I, I want to tell you to just shut that whole part of yourself off. Yeah. And you can't cause that's not who you are. Yeah. But there, there's a time and a place for that. And I, I would also like confess that that is probably like the, like the most transformation I've experienced has been in that area of just like, you gotta let, let go of control. Like it really comes yeah. down to, like control and the idea and if I can line stuff up in my mind and um, yeah, like, I mean, it's a, every time that I can't do that or you call me out on that um, or I'm just being a jerk, um, like any of those times it's like, I'm reminded like that's the design of marriage is that it's supposed to like be able to give me a small taste of like, okay, so this is like what it means for not just a relationship with another person, but relationship with God uh and like you teach me of the letting go of the control uh and just the i mean my boss has said publicly in front of 60 plus people that i'm a very anal person uh, which you know don't worry that's not lodged in my heart or anything i just repeat that every day but yeah no that checks out yeah that checks out yeah no that's not wrong uh and as you can listen to this podcast uh it's probably very obvious why uh why i wanted to marry carolina so bad is because she spent half of that question answering what she appreciates about me when she was supposed (laughs) to roast me 
Um, I found that everyone else has some <laughs> high spiritual gifts and roasting me. So I needed wow. a spouse who wouldn't uh, roast me all yeah. the time. I think I'm going to hold off on growing in that skill. Okay, so we sit down with we sit down with younger couples, uh, and we can't go deep into this, but we're kind of trying to hit on just some different pieces of life. I feel like one of the reasons that made us passionate to stay in Abilene was uh, talking with younger couples and walking it, walking through what they experience uh, or they're going to experience. Because let's be honest, they don't know. Like, like let's just get I mean, this. We still don't know. But yeah, yeah, we don't know, but like. Here is like the number one thing. Like if people are looking for discernment on like, how do I know? You're just not going to know with another human being. Like there's a theologian. Whether or not you should get married. Is that what you're saying? No, no. Like what, what marriage will be like. Yeah. Like absolutely. in some ways until you hop into it. There's a theologian that says we marry a stranger and we spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out how to love that stranger. Uh, because like, even though, like, even if I knew the inner depths of who Carolina is, still at the end of the day, Carolina has experiences, has moments of downfall, moments of loss, great victories. All those things change you. You are different than the person that mm-hmm. I sat in a counselor's room, uh, you know, working through pre-engagement. We didn't sit in a counselor's room. Well, we did a little bit. Some of it was Jonathan Storm. I'm not going to give him the title <laughs> of counselor, that's for sure. Um, what's some things that we... Uh, we expect to unpack with couples that are like thinking about engagement or in it and marriage. What What's some of the stuff on your list that you're like, oh boy, if we sit down at Jason's, we're probably going to have to talk about X. Yeah. So community is a huge one, which we, yep. we've spent um, yep. time on. Uh, man, sex is another one of just... Get right to it. Yeah, I'll get right to it. Yep. So so here's... I'm, I'm just going to have a soapbox for a moment. I get frustrated when... Um, I'm reminded of how little we openly talk about sex in the world, in culture, from a standpoint of what does a healthy, what, what does sex look like within a healthy marriage? And, um, and so I, I jump at the opportunity to to talk about that. Um, I think she just likes talking about sex. (laughs) Yes. And, and it's so, it's so challenging. It, It is very figuring out sex together and, and bringing in, our past experiences with with previous significant others. Uh, I mean, the whole the whole transition from dating to to engagement to marriage, which engagement is a whole other thing. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's challenging. It's because you have to figure out that balance of uh, God created us to enjoy sex. He He created us in a way that sex is very natural, very very much a part of um, life and, and obviously for the reason of procreation, but also just to enjoy and to be this fun blessing. And and I think you've said this before, but where it's like this brief pinnacle moment of a taste of what complete peace on earth can look like, um, that, that nothing else matters in the world for a brief sliver of a moment we can let go of the tragedies and the crises and the different things that we've experienced or have seen or, or know about in the world. Um, and that's beautiful, first of all. Uh, but the fact that you, you can do that um, within a, a relationship that's with marriage and, and being in the middle of a commitment, um, there's so much depth that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's hard is learning how, how to get to a place of being fully comfortable with your spouse. Um, but then also realizing that I am bringing things to, to our sex life from previous relationships that make that really challenging, that, that can make it hurtful and, um, and really difficult that sometimes I, I am not in a place to have sex. Um, and, and sometimes same for you, right? We, I mean, even if something is, if I had a stressful day at work, I'm probably not going to be up for, for just having fun because I'm probably going to be in a mode of, I need to distract myself with TV. Right. And it's Which so in the beginning, you're like that. bunnies. You're like, you're like, oh, I can't imagine if we're going to have like, like any spare moment of time. Like, before marriage, right? Or you, before having sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but then like, through, like, what is that yeah, like? you launch into the world and things drastically, drastically change yeah. there. And realize that it's very different than 
than the movies and very different yeah. than just this this free let's let's just go for it yeah. it's i mean it's practice is needed communication yeah. is needed yeah diagrams are needed. no i'm just playing. well, well sometimes though, actually sometimes yeah. uh, <laughs> we, we won't get into bit. that though the hate <laughs> mail will get deep um yeah but it's so uh, necessary to walk through that and, and it's a process to figure out it's not just something that you do right um and and i'm such a big proponent of sex is something i mean the the first night that you're together does not have to be full on all of it, but just kind of taking your time to to figure each other out, to figure out what works for you, what doesn't, what works for me and what doesn't, because a lot of that, neither of us know. Yep, yep. Okay, all right. There's got to be more on the list than just sex. Okay, okay, that's fair. You want to spend a couple minutes on sex, and that's yeah. not even where we're going here. <laughs> what What's something else? Yeah, I mean, the other is uh, just coordinating, um, figuring out the, that you and I live live separate lives together. And so in so many ways um, where, I mean, coordinating calendars, realizing that our goals and dreams might differ, might take us to different mm -hmm. places, but I'm uh, not willing to sacrifice our relationship just to pursue whatever. And so how, how do we figure out how to live the day-to-day -day life as well as that long-term life goals and dreams together and mm -hmm. making sure that, that we, are, we are continually having communication about that? Um, and we have you being a minister, especially um, we've gone through so many different seasons of just the craziness of the day to day. And how do we find a date night and how do we um, how do we set boundaries and make sure that we are um, appropriately spending time with one another? Uh, what does that look like when there's a crisis with a college student that you are needing to address and, and you need to connect with them last minute on a night when we might have been friends? Um, th that also means your job affects me. And so how do I make myself available in different ways um, to, to the ministry, but also knowing when I don't need to do that. So it's, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of back and forth and making sure that we, we are constantly leaning into one another instead of leaning away. Uh, you, I mean, you'd said this earlier where um, you can't just flippantly make decisions without including the other person. Yeah. because of how much we affect each other yeah your schedule is not your own schedule yeah yeah your schedule is not your own schedule your body is not your own body your um yeah your career is just not like there's so much that you just yeah. share in my mouth and my words what i say yeah depending on the space could affect you i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's uh so important to be on the same page in a lot of ways and that doesn't mean we're constantly perfectly in sync with one another that mm -hmm. means we have to work hard to make sure that we sit down and instead of having a date night we need to go over calendars for an hour because yeah, yeah i feel like we've good. talked about faith um a decent amount with people of like what are their backgrounds coming and like it's so funny how like we can progress in all these different categories but then like in spiritual lives like crickets like that yeah. that's something that i feel like uh couples need to talk about mm -hmm. uh family background um we've talked about that a ton we've mm -hmm. walked through a lot with that piece as well yeah just challenges of what we're bringing yeah from our past and and even today siblings and um yeah you i mean you're an only child i yeah. i'm a triplet uh, with an older sister as well. That was a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yes. An only child and a triplet together. Right. Guess which um, one of but... us hasn't slept in days. It's the only child. Yes. There's three of them. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's a lot of differences that we, we bring to the table, um, but it's also a joy and a blessing to get to figure those out together because that's... Maybe we should do a podcast just on unpacking that piece as well. Yeah. What, what do you think about... Uh, areas of growth for, for our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, you, you just hit on it a little bit with spiritual disciplines is huge, making sure that, that you and I are in a good place of, um, of not only having the individual spiritual, uh, disciplines, but making sure that we're doing that as a couple. Um, I mean, even this year is the first year that we've done that I feel like we're setting some traditions in some ways. Uh, we, we've really leaned into um, Sabbath. We've really leaned into, I mean, even how we're doing Christmas decorations in different ways. And 
um, as we come up across different holidays and experiences. So I, I'm excited to see what, what does that look like as we continue to develop in our faith and our marriage? Um, what will spiritual disciplines look like mm-hmm. individually and together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the pieces I think of is like financial priorities of like both of us. This is not a double shot at the Disney plus thing. I'm talking much larger than sure. that, but I think, I think having more of a, uh, like on the same page of like what we're moving towards yeah. and Long how we do, you know, I, I still go back to, you know, your brother James probably gave us a foundational piece of like, they've both got this philosophy where there's a, you know, small bit of money that you budget each month and each of you decide what you want to spend that on. Mm-hmm. And the other person, you know, just respects that because, uh, you know, without it, you're, very much working with the, can I get approval from one person? And then, you know, if you're someone that's financially cautious, you're always going to be like, I don't know about that. And if you're more of a like free spirited, Uh, (laughs) like every time it's like, yeah, we should get that elephant. Yeah. So when we realize that I'm the one who says yes, and you're the one who says no on everything uh, financial, yeah, it becomes a problem because we've purchased all of what you want to purchase, but the shots have been fired. Yeah, that has not fine. been true. Not in every category. <laughs> not in every category, but it feels like it. We did have to work through that. Yeah. We did have to work through that. But I wanted you to talk a little bit on balancing work and spouse piece. You want to share just a little bit of like, uh, like, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to be like, we have just such a unique setting that no one else experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a little bit of that with my job being on a Sunday in which it involves our community that also ropes you in, but you also work an eight to five job Monday through Friday. And sometimes that varies as well. What's been, what's been your greatest advice you've received in balancing being a spouse to uh, someone that's in the profession that I am? What was the best thing you got? Yeah. I'm being married to a minister. It often means that Sundays are not restful. For either of us, and we just, we're just prepared for, for that. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so knowing that Sundays cannot be a Sabbath, cannot be a day of rest for either of us. So, part of it is figuring out our schedules, and sometimes that changes week to week. But what is the best set of twenty-four hours for us to truly set aside and find rest and do things differently? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also say, especially, I mean, regardless, I feel like so many professions these days. Uh, affect the spouse if there's a spouse involved right right? and so asking the question of how much do I need to be involved in my spouse's job sometimes that just means attending the Christmas parties or that just means attending like like the major you know year-end whatever um but but for ministry in particular that means that uh, I'm called on to to be a part of the ministry Thankfully, we are in a church setting that allows me to be much more flexible with that than mm-hmm. what we've seen a lot of our friends walk through. Um, so I think it know, it's knowing the setting, knowing what uh, what is the culture of the organization that you work for. Um, man, but my biggest advice is, is if I'm going to serve in a certain way in the church, I want it to be in a way that I would serve regardless of the fact that you're my spouse or not. Yeah. Um, and, and that's constantly what I've gone back to is the ministries that I am involved in, including university ministry, are ones that I am passionate about and ones that um, that I, if we if we were not married, I would still choose to be highly involved in those. Um, and that is really important to me, that I don't let go of who I am just to appease yep. the congregation. That's true. That's true. Uh, thinking about on a, on a spouse end as well, and I think this was a, Kevin Campbell thing they gave me a while back. I can also do some work with where I work um, by, you know, because naturally I always get the question if you're not in the same setting I am, because for some reason you people are automatically like, <laughs> I think it's because you're the better half. So like people are like, mm-hmm. oh, I know he was going to be there, but I was hoping she would be there as well. Mm-hmm. What One of the things I was told was like, make sure that you set uh, the right tone and cover you when you're not. So like one of the things I do is when people ask where you are, my immediate answer is not, well, you're like, you're off doing this right now. Or like, I don't know where she is. Like, those are the two worst things I could do. The best thing I could do is say, you know, she is usually like doing her own thing at this time, or she's got work and I haven't heard from her today. And it's kind of a thing or like, 
I don't know. Sometimes she shows and sometimes she doesn't show up in this bit. Like I can do a better job at setting people's, uh, like revisioning people's mindset of like, yeah. letting just, it be an open. Yeah. Just cause I'm hired room. in this space does not mean that, you that know, you're hired. naturally brought yeah. into it as well. And I feel like that's especially important with it, not like leaking over into your job and feeling yeah. like you have to take away from it. Yeah. What about, uh, what about just like, both spouses were dinking it up, right? Double income, no kids. Yeah. Um, hoping for that for a little while. We'll see what happens. What What's your What's your advice there for couples that are both working at the same time? Yeah, I think a lot of it it just comes down to intentionality. It comes down to making sure that man, this week was is an example where we found ourselves most. I mean, every evening this week we were both working pretty late or. Separately. Or connecting with communities separately. Yes, working. Or connecting with communities separately uh, each night this week. And so um, we had an opportunity to have another evening last night to connect with some friends. And it, it just came to a space of we had to say no. Um, as much as we would have truly loved to spend time with, with those friends, um, it, it wasn't the time or place. It was a time for us to, to really lean into our relationship. Uh, and that's where the difference of marriage comes in and, and it's so hard because everyone lives very different lifestyles. I can walk through our small group. I can walk through even my, my siblings and how, how we live such different lifestyles in our rhythm of day to day. And just remember that when you say no, it's, it's going to be disappointing at times for a community. But at the end of the day, I have, I'm saying no, because I'm saying yes to my marriage. Right. I'm, and that's going to be hard. Uh, there, there are several, several people in our community where um, they do not fill their time as much as we fill our time. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but it can be really difficult for them to see uh, what, to, to realize how, how full our time is in these many circles. Um, and we love it that way, by the way, we love it that way, yeah. but we just have to really hold on to our values um, and know that it's going to be disappointing at times with that community. And that's okay. Uh, a final thought I was thinking, as you said that, that I want to flip the coin as well. Um, cause you know, there's that narrative side that definitely has to be spoken to, but there's another side that also says like, if you're in any type of role that's similar to mine, um, we also have to keep in mind that there are people who work eight to five jobs that do 40 hours a week very consistent and then they also do community church uh they yeah, help they volunteer absolutely. so i also get very resistant to people in my spot they're like well you know i only get 40 hours that's what's on the book and it's like whoa we need to back that train up just a little bit because we also got to remember like you are a part of this community as well yeah. so there's very much a nuance there of going back and forth that has to be figured out. And I think people in younger seats, you know, and I would still count myself as just a younger person in, in the seat. Like, I feel like I have to figure that out a decent amount and we have to figure that out as a couple. Shifting the gear and talking about, uh, being let go and what that's looked like. Uh, how long ago did that happen? Two and a half years ago now. Is it two and a half? Yeah. Feels like it was much shorter. Yeah. That was two and a half years ago. Wow. Okay. We've had a season of life where we haven't wanted to talk about this very much, but mm -hmm. I feel like this is a space because it's a wall that a lot of people hit at one point or another. So kind of unpack your experience of, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll say in my, in my situation, I think a lot of people, including you, uh, a lot of people in my community could foresee me being let go could foresee that happening. Yeah. And, and I was deep in a place of being blind to that. Um, and, and didn't allow myself to see that as being a possibility. I thought I was above it. I thought that I'm, I'm Carolina Witcher, like that would never happen to me. I, I am, I, I'm well educated. I mean, I gave all the excuses right. to say that that would never happen. Um, and it did. Uh, the other, the other part was, um, Really, the context, I, I had worked in that position for four years mm -hmm. leading up to that moment. 
Um, I had experienced several promotions above coworkers of mine, some who had been there for years on end. Um, so I saw all this progress that had been made. And then we had a massive transition in leadership, in our job descriptions, in um, we, we doubled with another office. And so our, the people that I was working with day to day expanded, there was so much change that happened. And in the midst of that change, I did not allow myself to see how I needed to change to accommodate the changes that were happening around me. I just kept doing everything that I had done before to the extent that I'd done it before. Mm -hmm. And, um, so for the first three and a half years of that role, it was, it was very flexible, very wide open. I could do whatever I wanted to with the job and loved that freedom, love, loved that empowerment. Um, but when all the changes had happened, it became much more restricted. Um, and I didn't allow myself to see that because I, I thrive in a much more open-ended, empowered environment. Um, so the, the major piece that happened here was uh, everything changed. <laughs> And I didn't. Um, and then I, ref I refused to, to change myself, which I, I still stand by. I think that was the best, the best thing for me to do, but I could have done it differently in a mm. way that, that was uh, more respectful mm -hmm. towards my leaders um, who I disagreed with at the time. And then really at the end of the day, I, it was my, um, in hindsight, of course, I didn't see this in the moment, but in hindsight, I was the person in the wrong in the sense that the culture had changed so much. I should have been the one to walk away. It should not have gotten to the point of me driving myself out or them pushing me out kind of thing. Um, so now, I mean, I know at this point um, it, it was borderline a, a verbally abusive situation. It was um, basically like the two bosses above me. She was, uh, trying to put me in this tiny box and tell me that these are the things that I need to do. And that's just not my personality. And that's again, not where I thrive and not uh, the best things that I bring to the table. And when the best things that I bring to the table are being, are being um, suffocated and, and I'm being told that I cannot use those skills. I need, it's my responsibility to know that I need to walk away from that situation and find a different one. Mm -hmm. What were unhealthy things that you look back after being let go after that conversation? Mm -hmm. I remember it being it being a very jarring one because uh, it was it was very much that typical phone call of three o'clock. You've called me twice. I step out of a meeting. I pick up the phone, and all you say to me is, uh, "I've been let go." Yeah. Talk a little bit about the months after that, and maybe some unhealthy things and some healthy things that happened. Yeah. So a couple healthy things. Uh, first of all, I'd recommend to anybody in any scenario in life to get a counselor because walking through counseling in several areas of my life has been, has been really significant and helpful, but especially in that area. Um, ironically, I had, a, I had a counseling appointment scheduled for the afternoon that I was let go. Um, and so to immediately be able to walk into that appointment, um, yeah, I, I was just so thankful to, to have somebody to hear that and, and walk through that with me from a professional standpoint. Another thing, I, I quickly moved on to a new job. So I, I feel like first thing was you and I sat down and had a conversation of saying, we cannot live without a second income. So I cannot sit in this state of moping. Absolutely, there's a place to mourn. Absolutely, there, there was a process that I needed to go through. And I'll talk about that in a second, but it was really important for our family dynamic that I hop to it and get a job. Yeah. And the organization that let you go was very honoring because they gave you even a temp job for there, there a little a, bit. There was another contact, right. yes, in the organization that, right. that helped me get that. So I'm, so I'm very thankful for that. That helped me have at least a couple hours a week. But I immediately, I mean... I was let go on a Thursday and by Monday I was diving into submitting resumes and um, calling different offices and trying to figure out who was hiring and what connections did I have in, in the area because I needed a job really bad. Um, yeah. So lean, leaned into that really heavily, heavily. Um, you and I 
then this is where uh, in past you and I talked about how how much of a stickler you are with finances. That is a moment that I was beyond grateful for because thankfully you and I had set up a savings account of six months of both of our salaries. And so we knew that there was a buffer, but we didn't want to take that for granted, of course. And so I'm thankful for that buffer that I think it really helped the worry not be as strong as it could have been if, um, if we were living paycheck to paycheck. Yep. Um, so that, that was huge to have that. Uh, some unhealthy things was um, because I dove so quickly into into looking for a new job, working that temp job, um, and then getting the job I have now. I um, I really lost sight of the morning process, and I felt like that was a much slower process in some ways than it could have been had I leaned into it a little further. Yeah, and just just realizing the ways that it impacted me, I, I really felt a lot of rejection and the, all the emotions that came with rejection. Um, I forced, in some ways, some of those emotions with my new job and had to differentiate what what am I feeling because I'm I'm assuming a certain outcome with this new job, and what am I feeling because this is new? That's really and good. I need to figure it out. That's really good. I remember us doing some. Wow. Yeah, I remember I was doing some unpacking of like when not the immediate job, but the job that you're now currently in. When you first got in there, there were some impulses of like almost like same reactions that you were just expecting yeah. out of your higher ups. That I remember multiple times I was listening at night. I was been like, "Hey, I don't, I don't see anything that's there," and it's like it's lodged into the heart. Yeah. After such a, you know. I would say for you, it probably leaned on more like traumatic, like event um, that like, I think people and especially young adults need to be aware of, of like you carry what happened in the last job with you to the next job. And if there's not some unpacking and some self-knowledge that happens with that, maybe with a counselor, maybe with uh, a coworker to say like, all right, after, you know, six months, give me some blind spots. So I don't do this again. I feel like that, that's a huge point that I I had forgotten was a thing. Yeah. And thank goodness. I mean, my, my new boss is so, so gracious and so willing uh, that, that I was able to open up to him and share, Hey, you need to know what I just came from so that when I react in certain ways or ask certain questions, it's because I am in, in an unhealthy space nice. in that. Um, and so it was really important for him and I to have a very open set of communication. And yeah. thankfully he was accepting of that. I don't know that all bosses are, right. but he, he was willing to, um, to hear me out for what I needed to make sure that yeah. I was doing well. In my you job. opened the window and he like very much entered in that with you. Yeah. Here's a question. What, um, help people that are on the other side. What, what's something, if you know someone who has just gone through, uh, you know, being let go. What are the things that's helpful to say? What are the things that are not helpful to say? Yeah, I mean, not helpful would be just flippant remarks of, oh, it'll work out, you'll find a job. Like, I I think kind of in any crisis or traumatic event to just kind of write it off flippantly, I would just really avoid at all costs. You can always be encouraging, by all means be encouraging, but to, uh, to declare an outcome in a flippant way just go ahead and avoid. Um, when it comes to the right things to say, man, it, uh, I think just asking questions, asking, especially if that person is unsure of where they're headed next, even what kind of career field they're looking for. Um, see like, Hey, would you, would you want to, would you want me to help you in that process of unpacking? What, what does that look like? Um, if you have worked with them to a degree that you can pour in words of encouragement for different skill sets they have yeah. or different things they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Maybe what have you recognized in their gifts um, to speak those truths and reminders as, as to um, the fact that whatever the reason they got let go, they still are incredible human beings that have, have a place at the table. We just don't know what table yet. Yeah. Um, and it's really important to be reminded of that. And then just like anybody who's going through a crisis, just sitting with them. If you have a close enough relationship to to sit in a room and just allow them to mourn, allow them to be sad and devastated by that, um, acknowledge that hurt. Um, it's always really important. So you're saying like, don't try to coach, 
whatever the situation Unless was. they ask for it. But Unless yes. they ask for it. Yeah. Affirm them of like things that are core to who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, also, that's a helpful just on-ramp of like your job just can't be your identity because uh, yeah. it's going to go up and down. And, Which mine very much was. So that right. was so much right. more un- unpacking for me. Uh, do you find what your dad said to you to be true or false now on the other side of this? Uh, as far as, so my dad's first reaction, is that what you're saying? Yeah, on the first yeah, phone call when, of Langham, though. My goodness, yeah. I called my dad, and he's uh, he, in his lifetime, just got to do so much business-related. So he's the one I went to for a lot of those questions. So the first words out of his mouth after I told him were, wow, Carolina, congratulations. I am so happy for you that, <laughs> that you were yeah. removed from that situation. He knew how unhealthy it was. Uh, and how much it was destroying me from the inside out. But uh, the, that being the immediate reaction was a little difficult to swallow, for yep. sure. Yep. For sure. Only Jim the, can get away with that. Right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I wouldn't recommend that to be the first words. Again, sit sit in that moment with that person first. <laughs> um, but maybe, maybe a couple weeks later or a couple days later, mentioning looking at the future and at, at the new opportunity that was ahead, looking back on it. And and I said this, even then, I don't know that I knew myself well enough to know that I needed to walk away. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways I had to be let go to get removed from that situation to get to a healthier one. Um, And so I, I am thankful and do see it from his perspective in that sense that that was a congratulatory moment because I finally was free from, from such a challenging experience right word wrong time yes yes exactly exactly what's what's the biggest what's the biggest sign that someone needs to get out for me it was coming home every single day and and i was so caught up in it there was i had no more sight for the positive things that were happening i had no i was completely blinded to um any potential of anything, how I could grow, how the organization could grow, um, what, what it could look like. Uh, I, I got to a place of dodging my, my boss's boss who, who I had the most conflict with. Um, and when you, when you're in such a place of like isolating yourself, avoiding, avoiding people, I mean, every moment that, that we could have possibly had an interaction, I, I just, I felt small. I felt, um, minimalized. Uh, I felt like I didn't have a voice. Um, and I say all of that, those are all things that are really important to me. It is important for me to feel like I have a voice to speak into an organization. It is important for me to feel like I have a seat at the table and I can equally engage in what's going on along with even my leaders that, that I'm equally involved. Um, so knowing what are what is important to you and in your role. And if you are not experiencing that in your role or those pieces of your role are being squashed, you're are being diminished. It's probably not the healthiest setting. Uh, and ask your leader about that. Ask your boss if they are not willing to open that door or crack that door open further for those things. Yeah. yeah and I think, believe. yeah. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll play the double side of the coin, especially with a lot of our people who will be listening of like, when you are at that first or second job uh, entry-wise, there's a lot of stuff before you get to that place mm-hmm. that needs, like we could do we could do 25 minutes just talking about that last phrase you said of like how to open the door. Because I think a lot of times the instinct now is like we're in such an immediate culture that it's like, well, I'm not getting that here, so I'm just going here. This was something that was perpetual for a long time. That yeah, it was six months of back and forth. And, yeah. Yep, yep, it was back. Okay, so you uh, transition out there. You have a very small season where you're not there. And then uh, you take a job as a marketing director. Yeah, um, totally different. What's your, what's your, uh, what was your bachelor's in? Yeah, so I got um, an undergrad degree and a master's degree, both in communication. So not marketing? Not in marketing. Okay. No, no and class in marketing. What's your title? <laughs> uh, marketing director. So. For? For Chick-fil-A. Okay. Yes, for a few, a few restaurants here in town. Some people would find that very confusing. What's the hardest part of moving into a job that's different than your your own degree? And how do you, how do you navigate that? 
Yeah. So, so thankfully communications, uh, does have some overlap with elements of marketing, but for the most part, what I do day to day, I, I did not have the skills for before I took the job. Um, so first of all, I hope that's empowering for anybody listening that's thinking I have a degree in X or I'm pursuing a degree in X. What if I want to do something different? My goodness, get, I, I firmly believe that, generally speaking, <laughs> getting a degree gives us skills in knowing how to learn information, knowing how to learn additional skills um, that, yeah, I think anybody could get a job anywhere. There's there's so many different studies and, and different organizations and high leaders of organizations that would agree um, that you don't have to have a degree in the area that you're working in. So when I walked in, I, I was excited. I was excited to be at an organization that was that I know was healthier than I was walking into. That alone excited to me, excited me to be a part of it. But it, it meant that for the first really year and a half, it's I mean, up until about six months ago, um, I have I had been in a place of constantly learning and, and trying marketing, especially such a broad, broad umbrella of, of different things. And so I would try just different elements of marketing. What what clicked with me? What didn't? Maybe trying to unpack why. Um, and then I leaned into a number of different resources. Lynda.com is phenomenal. Uh, looking at TED Talks, looking at, I mean, just Google, nice. <laughs> YouTube, whatever it is. Um, and I had to teach myself multiple software programs. Um, I was not even that big into social media from a personal standpoint. And so learning social media from a business standpoint um, was a, a huge learning curve. Uh, kind of uh, planning events. I had never planned an event ever. Uh, and now I've had the opportunity to do a number of them. So, so just taking the time to sit back and think again, what, what do I know of myself to be true as far as the skills that I bring to the table and how can I apply that in this setting? Uh, that it just, it took a lot of time. And again, thankfully a boss that knew that I was not fully qualified for that job when he hired me yeah. and allowed me the flexibility to learn it on the job. Um, I, I would say, man, if you, if you were applying for and interviewing for jobs that, you know, you're not qualified for, try to get a feel from, from who would be your boss, try to get a feel from them of what are they looking for the, the person who is willing to learn all those things, or are they looking for the person who's, who already knows those things, but might not be the best fit for the organization. That's a good, that's a good move. That's a good move. I think I, I think I'm ready to make a Zane claim. Okay. Well, let's, let's hear it. I feel like for young adults entering into a job, it may be just as crucial, if not more, to ask the question, not of just what I'm doing, but who you're doing it for. Like, especially when you're at a place of you need to gain like some years on the, on the resume, mm -hmm. you need to be able to learn like so much is caught in just how someone else leads, like even like how I conduct myself as a spouse. I see some of the things that good and bad there in my parents that like come out in that. Like, I think we're very in a formational phase of life. That's like, you need to look at who your boss is in a way. Yeah. Um, and like their empowerment, their way of teaching their, yeah. like those things are, are massive. They hands off? Are they hands yeah. on? Like those things may be like, massive questions to ask and maybe we need to focus a little less on finding like the perfect job and finding a healthy leader yeah. to be able to go into it which is exactly what i did with chick-fil-a because right. I, I was i knew that i i would not allow myself to walk into another scenario like what i had experienced in my previous job right. um so i i was looking for what is an organization that i i agree with their morals and values and then getting to know my now boss thinking the entire time and, and walking through questions of do I, do I, would I trust him? Yeah. Would I, would I trust him to work with him? And will he empower you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Knowing what I needed in a job and how much I had learned. Right. Yeah. Which is just I'm a requirement when you're working with the Lord's chicken, you know? Yeah. <laughs> sure. To all our friends up in the North, I know it's not the Lord's chicken. All the other chickens are also the Lord's chickens. Yes. I feel like every single day when we wake up, we're moving towards or we've got some type of inkling of what could possibly happen, what our day has potential to do. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you just a couple questions for 
all of us as we're figuring out what our next step is, especially for those of us who don't know direction. First question is this, what do you think you should have done more or less of? I wish I would have taken more risks. As, as a young adult in university setting, I did not take risks. Oh. I kind of followed the path that was set before me and maybe took other people's suggestions and advice. Risks such as I, I wish I would have actually gone for it and tried internships that who knows if they would have been relevant to what I'm doing today or what I'm doing, what I'm going to do 20 years from now. Solid. I wish I would have leaned into more internships. I worked camps, different, a couple of different types of camps. So that yeah. helped a little bit, but um, just watching you in the several internships that you walked through and how particular you were in choosing those, it was astounding how much you were able to learn in just a few weeks that uh, I really took that time for granted and did not realize how helpful that would be hmm. in the long run. Hmm. So, so someone that's coming out of high school, someone that's call, coming out of college, someone that's you know hopping into a new phase, what's some of the best practices that you're like, this is the best practice I've found that is healthy for me? I'd say taking the time to intentionally learn how to have a voice and how to speak up. I, I really didn't learn how to speak truth and honesty um, into my job. I'm still learning that in a lot of ways, but I didn't, I didn't learn that until really a couple years ago, several years into my job. I would recommend the book Radical Candor mm. uh, by Kim Scott, I believe is her name. Um, that has transformed my perspective on speaking truth in every situation. Uh, that, that has been huge. Um, but at the same time, while I have learned how to be more vocal and have more of a voice, I am now to the point of, of realizing I need to hone that back and know when I need to listen. Um, so finding that balance of in what situations uh, does it require more of a voice for me? In what situations do I really need to sit back and allow somebody else to speak? Nice. Who are you aspiring to be right now? Like, who is it that you look at and you're like, that's it. <laughs> that's the person. Yeah. So it uh, might be a little cheesy, but very true. Uh, my dad, his his passing about seven, eight months ago has has put me in a posture of wanting to live life similarly to how he did. That means uh, taking risks and being vocal, as yeah. I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, he was a huge proponent of applying for jobs that he was never qualified for, and he got them. And he was able to learn them on the spot. And yeah. I feel like I've been able to hone in some of that energy yeah. uh, as well within this job. And as I look to the future and then, and then just dreaming big. I mean, he, he started several companies. He uh, went off to do these incredible things and guys, he, ne he never attended a day in college of college in his life. Yeah. He did not have a degree. He, he passed high school, went into the military and then four years later, stepped out of the military and just kind of figured it out with my mom and I'm just, I'm so thankful for his example of uh, what does it look like to take, to, to go against the grain to go, go against what the world says you have to have, which was a degree on a piece of paper and all this prior experience. And he, he taught himself so much and allowed other people to teach him so much. Mm. That's beautiful. Final question. Yeah. The question. The question. What are you on to? I'm in a state of asking a lot of questions, trying to see what is next. My natural posture is I have to have something in front of me that I'm aiming towards. So I'm, um, so I'm in some ways uh, leaning further into the Chick-fil-A world, trying to see if there's uh, like owning a restaurant or working for corporate at some point in my future. Um, but at the same time, I'm loving I'm loving organizational development, uh, team development, any any opportunity that I have to uh, be a part of somebody seeing their potential and reaching that potential. That is what I love the most mm -hmm. as far as my career goes. And so, um, yeah, just constantly looking for opportunities for that. And thankfully, I in my role, I'm getting to that more and more. I'm growing in that skill as I'm as I'm also doing that more. And so, uh, yeah, thankful that, that I get to keep developing people, developing organizations while I develop myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that about you. I think you are sharing that in ways that are going to just keep growing as we go. Well, I think we've used all the oxygen that we can use. <laughs> 
Thanks, Thanks Emma. This, is, this has been a good conversation, though. Awesome. I hope it's helpful to the listeners. All right, friends. Thanks for being with us today. We blew through a lot of topics in this conversation. So if there is one we should come back to or we should camp on or unpack, if you just want to leave a comment on this post or if you want to send an email to our actual project email, which is onto something pod. That's something with no G pod at gmail.com. If you haven't already, also take a second to subscribe to the podcast, either on iTunes or Spotify to stay up to date as uh, that will let us know that you're also out there and it's extremely helpful. And as Kanye would say, it gets the people going. So follow us on social media. We've also got some exciting things coming up that we're going to start previewing and uh, we'd love to see your reaction. So until next time, everyone, may you remember that you are onto something.